I don't know. I spent the whole weekend just like fighting vocal exhaustion to make mm. good sound and sort of like drinking a fuck ton of tea and be, like being worried about like, cause I only really have one moment where I sing like bald, uh, mm. where no one else is singing and, and I have to sing pretty high for me. And so I'm like, Ugh. but it's like, and it's also like right at the top of the show. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Um, I hope I can make this sound. I don't know. It's just a lot of frustrating work. And then, and then, like, afterwards, my voice, like, I sound a little bit like this at the end of a night. And mm-hmm. you um, thought about just riding a scooter on the stage? <laughs> you think that'd help? <laughs> to what end? No, nobody's going to remember your horrible singing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're rolling in at a rascal? <laughs> Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Morning Tuesdays, the adult podcast about children's cartoons. I'm Austin. I'm Rory. I'm Andy. And today, listeners, we are jumping to light speed because guess what we're going to do? We're going to become the king of Star Wars. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Our one plan uh, is that we're going to become the king, even the kings, even. I think there can be room for all three of us. We can be the kings of Star Wars. We're going to rule the galaxy. We're going to take over all the bad sword guys. We're going to become king of Star Wars. Now, how do you... What what's your sort of game plan on that? Like we all probably have different strategies for how we're going to become king. Okay. Well, uh, I didn't realize this was a fucking interrogation right now. Um, <laughs> oh, do you want to keep it close to the chest? Well, I'm not. You know, this is a podcast that we're going to sort of broadcast. Just, to, I mean, there's there's definitely the a few tried and true elements to King of Star mm-hmm. Wars, right? Build right. a big old circle, biggest mm-hmm. circle that's been built yet. Hey, yeah. Maybe those are secret plans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We can't give away all the plans for a big circle if we want to become king of Star Wars. So I, I call it the kill circle. <laughs> the big kill circle. It makes a nice angry line and don't well, be in okay, the way of that line. Let's hold back. Let's hold back. They don't have to our, know what kind of line it is. Yeah. I respect that plan. I, I, I Those secret plans. I respect it. Uh, let me tell you my... My way might be the lazy way, but it's a sh- it's a surefire way to become king of Star Wars is I'm going to marry Star Wars. Uh, I'm going to marry into it. Okay, explain. Well, Queen Star Wars has been ruling for a really long time. And, mm, that's a good and point. Sh- she ain't got no man. And I'm going to go be become, you know, the de facto king Star Wars by marriage. Okay. Um, I think Star Wars is very attractive. I'm happy to spend my life with Star Wars. Sure, sure. Yeah, she's got that great makeup. And the hair and all those big mm-hmm. outfits. Yeah. And she uh and she's owned by Disney. So sort of marrying into the Disney fortune. Uh-huh. There's a lot she's, there's a lot there's a lot there. She's friends with a big like cartoon lizard rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Who lives in a swamp and has a big tongue. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm gonna change Disney from within. Oh, okay. <laughs> But it's not too late to bail if you want to cop on the big the big kill circle. It kill circle seems really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh so while we're up in the sky with our big kill circle, and that's all I reveal about that, other than, you know, mm-hmm. it's in the sky, uh, which is where you go to become king of Star Wars. Uh, we're also doing skyhunks again. Yeah. Again, again. Where we live. In the we sky, li- we, li- we live in the sky with in Star Wars, the sky hunks of Star Wars. Right, right. And We're not we watching love, Star and Wars. We love it. No, no, but we love the hunks. Yeah, we do. Honestly, we I love think that, that being king. <laughs> really, truly. Well, we, we will we... love being king when it happens. We've our love of hunks has sort of been the one constant of Saturday morning Tuesdays. I think. Yeah, like yeah, it drives everything. It's a hung forward podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we we started Starcom the U.S. Space Force last week, so that was um, 
that was very exciting to get some sort of new hunk blood in there. And boy, is it <laughs> is it chunky blood. It's chunky, hunky, hunk blood. And we got we got three big old beefcakes in that show. And we are still watching Robotech because we can't get enough of Lin Min May, I guess. Who's <laughs> <laughs> now, I think, officially dating her cousin? I don't know. Basically. It's so confusing. Yeah, uh. you've been warned up front. The cousin love is happening <laughs> sort of actively. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. Brace yourself for cousin love. No, well, I'm constantly braced. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, boy. Y'all, I I don't want to waste any more time. I think we need to jump in. I think we got we to gotta talk about these shows, yeah? Yeah. Let's fucking do it. Let's take a dive. Pew pew pew! Uh, it's us. It's we're we're back. We're we're on our we're well on our way towards becoming king of Star Wars, or at least I am. She's looking at me with softened eyes. You know, she wasn't that interested in me at first, but then I showed her my 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 kill my my kill stick that now, I have. Mm-hmm. Austin. Yeah. At first, at first, I thought we were just having a, some fun mixed metaphor uh, business. I think Andy thinks Star Wars is a woman. <laughs> I no longer am sure if he knows we're talking about the beloved film series from George Lucas and not a woman named Star Wars who he, he wants to rule over. I don't want to rule over her. I want her to find me attractive and, and, and choose me as Love King me, Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of also doing it for the power, you know? Well, for the of course title. I am. Of course I am. But also, you know, I bet we'd get along. I bet we'd get along. I like Star Wars. I've liked Star Wars for a long time. I was the Yon- first person to like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just shooting my shot with Star Wars, okay? Go back to your fucking circle or whatever. Uh, no, shh. I- hmm? We don't talk about the circle. Oh, so I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Not too much, just a tasteful <laughs> enough. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but this is this is Robotech. We're we're talking about Robotech episode twenty one because we skipped episode twenty. More on that in a second. Well, actually, how about a literal second? Let's talk about episode twenty right now. Uh, Austin Rory did not watch episode twenty. Here's sort of a, a blow by blow, like just sort of a travelogue of what you of what we what we missed by skipping. I, it. I actually did watch episode twenty. But... Oh, you. Did you overachieving bastard you? Yeah, but no, go ahead. You know it's pretty thing. consistent that uh, <laughs> yeah. so Austin won't go out and watch whatever he wants. He waits for a decision that we're not watching something to watch it. Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> contrarian and it's pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah, it is almost every time. <laughs> I just happen to have extra time today. And I wanted to see it, and I'm glad I did. It's a good. Yeah. It's a decent enough episode, but I felt like it was skippable because it just sort of basically what it does is get us into our new status quo. So uh, after destroying all of Toronto or Toronto, I've 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 been told by the, that locals don't hard that they don't they don't smack that T that second T in Toronto. Um, so they they destroy Toronto. And no, I Earth- believe it's a, just a random Earth city as they <laughs> as they describe it, and then Toronto rescinds their invite. Mm, well, it's, I think, deliberately unclear, perhaps, to make yes. it so that people don't... Soften the blow a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Earth says, uh, goodbye, you can't be here anymore, there's no more talking about this, you gotta go, and we're not taking your civilians, and you gotta go now. So here's some supplies and shit, and fucking go. And uh, so they do, and over the course of the episode, Global has to sort of break the news to all the civilians of what's happening and that they're not actually going home. And Min may help soften the blow by giving like this sort of, no, but 
the SDF one is our home and I love all of you and we're going to be fine kind of speech as if they're not sort of going off to be like the focal point in a terrifying alien war and they could all die. It's pretty funny, though, because she does that little speech and then immediately everybody is like, that's the best speech I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it's the best speech I've ever heard someone make. Well, inspired me. I'm proud to shake the hand of another citizen of Macross City. (laughs) So unconvincing. And then, and then also pertinent, the three perverts, uh, the the Zentradi spies, end up uh, using some chaos to go back to uh, report to Britai and Exodor, and spend hours upon hours telling them everything that they've learned about confusing human culture, and they are very confounded by it and super confused. But uh, as a result. They're like, we got to think about this. And the perverts go back to like their quarters and they're like, so we all stole stuff, right? And they like emptied their pockets and they've all taken like <laughs> TVs and shit. And they're like, oh man, we're going to like trade these around for favors. And people are going to think we're so cool. We got to tell everybody about the humans. They're also huge Minmay stands at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, yeah. They At least one of them stole one of those Minmay dolls. Yeah, so, although uh, it's funny because when they're showing off the Minmay doll, they all the stuff they stole is Mike is still like person size, so like a little refrigerator is very tiny. Yeah, then the Minmay doll is the same size as a refrigerator, so <laughs> it's like a giant body pillow style. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's what happened in episode twenty, and here's episode twenty-one. It's called A New Dawn. Minmay and Lynn Kyle's first movie, Small White Dragon, becomes the talk of the town. That's my name in college. <laughs> you fucker. Uh, becomes the talk of the town as crowds gather for the premiere. Left uneasy by the cousins' love scenes, Rick and Lisa walk out of the movie theater. An unpleasant accident results in the two of them taking a walk together, but the bond grows closer in the midst of the SDF-1's latest transformation during his Entrati attack. The Zentradi themselves are also disturbed by the movie, especially when they think Lynn Kyle's fight stunts indicate superhuman abilities. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is that is definitely the gist of the episode. And yeah, there's I, some, there's some galaxy quest in the in these bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I think we I think we need to start by talking about the movie. Oh, and the small movie white premiered. dragon. Small yeah. white dragon. <laughs> Small yeah. dragon, colon, and kissing despite, cousins. Say, despite the appearance of many kissing cousins, this is not a pornography. <laughs> no, it is a, it's a kung fu movie. Yeah. Uh, that they've sort of put together on the ship. Yeah, they're very excited because it's the first movie that's been made entirely on the SDF-1. And... Uh, yeah, I guess I guess to sort of get right to the point of of one of the things that I mentioned in the summary, uh, during the course of this movie, apparently, Lynn Kyle does some, like, Dragon Ball Z-style kung fu spirit <laughs> moves death with, ray, like, lasers. Finger death ray kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and they think it's real because they don't understand the f- concept of fiction. And by they, and, it's, yeah, it's the Zentradi who are watching this feed and they don't realize they're just watching the movie. Uh, well, they know think, that it's a, they know that it's like a film. It's a, like just, a battle film, right? Yeah, they yeah. think it's like a record of a, of an <laughs> yes. old battle because they don't have art, right, or entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of fun. The, to hear. the the setup for the movie though is uh, or before the movie, uh, Lynn Minmay is trying to get Rick a ticket to the front row. Mm-hmm. So he can watch it and she has to use telephones because it's, you know, ancient history. And I don't know how <laughs> we communicated with each other in this time, but she has to leave a message with the guy running the barracks or whatever. Yes. And what's really funny is she has this conversation with the guy and it's just like, yes, okay, this is the seat that he's in. He needs to pick up this ticket. Please get to him when he gets back. And then she hangs up the phone and is like, oh, no, he sounded like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this guy's a huge dumbass. I don't think Rick is going to get the memo. But also, he was kind of sassy at her. And who may I say is calling him? Just tell him it's his little lost friend. You'll know who I mean if I tell him that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think this is this is interesting because I, I don't know that I love the choice, but it seems like the writers are trying to make circumstance more the reason that their relationship falls apart than actually Rick recognizing Minmay's bad for him or vice mm-hmm. versa, which is a little frustrating to me from like a, a character writing perspective. But like, yeah, it seems like a like a series of missed connections and misunderstandings is why they're like growing farther apart. Um, Do you mean the Macross writers or the Robotech writers? I mean either. I think yeah. it's similar in in the original. Uh huh. So you know, it's a little it's a little annoying. I guess I, I I feel like I feel like from a satisfying perspective, like to to make me more satisfied, he would have had more of like a wow, we are not on the same page. And you could argue they have had a couple of those moments, like when he hung up on her the other episode. Yeah, but we haven't followed up on that, right? So, so I don't know. It seems a little bit like, you know, his, his being available to, to maybe start thinking about Lisa a different way. This episode is because of a misunderstanding about a movie ticket. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe it robs a little bit of it for me, but. Oh, I don't know. I, Cause I, I, I don't know that a sort of serious inward intro, like uh revealing character moment has really been earned. Whereas. You know, there, and I, and I'm always really intrigued by <clears throat> a coupling that sort of falls victim falls victim to circumstances. Like nobody mm. actually did anything wrong, like or or was a bad person, or did something irredeemable, or or had a you know irreconcilable differences. It was just like shit didn't work. Like that's kind of the most tragic love story to me. I guess it's so. just when like logistics truly yeah. ruin something good. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And also, it is kind of realistic. I mean, how many how many things in our lives, how many weird things have happened because of circumstance, and you just are well, like, well, we lost, it, we lost it, it's touch. It's certainly more realistic, than, but on the that flip side... That doesn't always make good stories. Well, yeah, as a story, I, I allow for character growth, which humans generally <laughs> lack. <laughs> I mean, I, I really appreciate, though, that in the realism of this relationship with Rick and Min May, is that it really is this kind of two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. And then it becomes two steps back, one step forward, kind of, you know, and just kind of janks around that, you know, yeah. he's he's into her and he has, has these different feelings. And, you know, he's he still thinking about him because she's like worried about getting him a front row seat ticket and is being like, yeah. oh, he's going to be so, so surprised when he realizes I've done this for him. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's odd. I I want to talk though about her song before the movie, uh, because you want to talk about something that's actually different in the Japanese version, yeah. uh, which I had to confirm. But uh, uh, which everybody, I want you to know that I did the work to confirm. Uh, no, so okay, so this whole show, Minmay has sung one song, what? and it is. This sort of stage light slashing. You've, we've played it before. But I think makes, it's you know. called My Time to Be a Star or okay. Stage Fright. And I can't remember right. which, but yes. Stage light splashing. Every fucking yeah. time. And then the stage fright go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is so my this, big day. <laughs> yeah. This is her. This is her one song that she's done. And we know for a fact that she has done other songs in the Japanese version and they yes. just refuse to make a second song in the English version. <laughs> and that is no more apparent than when she gets up in front of the movie premiere and says, Well, I hope you like my new song. By the way, it's the theme song from the film. It is a brand new song. And I think in my head, naive me thinks, <laughs> oh, God, well, we're finally getting a second song from Midnight. Finally. Bah, we have no choice. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> God, you guys! Oh, Jesus! It's how what was the what was the show we watched? Um, where they just added humming instead of even writing lyrics? Oh God, was that was, was it creamy, creamy mommy? mommy? It might. I think it must have yeah. creamy mommy. I think it was creamy mommy. <laughs> I remember Creamy Bobby. <laughs> I sure do. Never forget. Uh, but yeah, man, I I don't see how any of this makes sense. That the not only is it not new, but the lyrics, the idea that this like ancient kung fu movie, the theme <laughs> yeah. song for this movie, is about 
my time to be a star. Yeah, it's not. Uh, no. And in the in the Japanese version, uh, she literally just keeps singing like the title of the movie, which right. they say in Chinese. I, I can't remember the title of it, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't say small white dragon, but no, uh, it, it's very clearly the theme song of the movie. And also, I know we've talked about this before, but like there is sort of a, you know, my time to be a star equivalent song in the original Japanese that she does sing a couple times. It's sort of like her signature song. And it's so much more thematically appropriate because it's my boyfriend is a pilot. Right. <laughs> and like it actually it has narrative weight. <laughs> yeah, it has some narrative weight. <laughs> when they turn it all in Minmay, like some of that self-centered stuff, I think, comes through a lot more when, you know, all she's doing is singing about how cool and famous she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess the the tragedy here is that Rick doesn't get the memo from the guy that he has a ticket, like, saved. He just tells her, basically, he tell the guy tells him, basically, that, that Minmay called. And he's like, oh, shit. And that's all the info he gets. And when he tries to call her back, she's, like, not in her hotel room. And so uh, he doesn't realize there's a ticket saved for him, so he sits somewhere else. And so when she comes out to sing, she sees this empty seat and is like... Oh, fuck. He didn't even show. Um, which I guess is going to go some some distance towards her falling out of whatever love she has left for Rick. Uh, truly setting the stage for Lisa and Rick to to truly to begin. Well, get so on, Rick's, get on Rick's in there. just a member of the crowd. And when when Minman and Kyle have their big kiss scene, everybody can apparently tell they got way too into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Zentradi noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they don't even know what kissing is. <laughs> this is the first kiss I've ever seen, and I feel like it's weird because they're cousins, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's funny. So Miria is here now. So we've we've seen Miria wandering around uh, in, like, human right, clothing. Right, she's the undercover lady pilot. She's the lady pervert. Yeah, the lady pervert is looking for the, the man who shot her down. And... She's there, she's watching, and she thinks that Kyle must be the ace pilot because of the heroic shit he's doing Dragon in this Ball movie. Z. Yeah, right, yeah. Because look at him do the Kamehameha. What a truly magnificent warrior he is. He must be the one who shot me down. Who else among them has such courage? And the perverts are watching remotely with other soldiers and bragging <laughs> about supposedly being best friends with Min May. Uh, yeah, they're also... They get asked about kissing. And yes. they tried it. They did a little, <laughs> and, and they did go to that disco party. They mm-hmm. did, yes. And, tried, and I apparently tried kissing. Or are liars. Well, yeah, they, they're definitely liars. Uh, <laughs> it's, the, the dialogue is so fucking funny. Because but those I, girls were hot to trot, so I don't yes. know. They were. No, I love, I love this. It's like the version of, it's like an alien translated version of that, like, oh, yeah, I've totally kissed a lot of girls moment that, like, you know, some teen would do. Because they say, like, I wouldn't have thought you could stand it. Did they force you to do such a thing with this girl? Yep, they sure did. Yep, many times. Huh? My lips got sore from always being pressed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they made me do the kissing so much, it hurt. It made my lips all dang sore. <laughs> yeah. Brita and Exodor think that the movie might be an instructional video for soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> Teach them how to Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. It appears to be some sort of battle recording. I think. Primitive fighting style at best. I don't understand their interest in viewing such a record. Neither do I, my lord. Possibly an instructional requirement for their soldiers. Yeah, they're terrified that this is some sort of death ray that the humans have, and this is why they're so good at rebuffing them is because they have secret <laughs> mystical magic powers. Uh, this, this episode, I got to say, is about as Robotech as it gets. Yeah. You know, like this is such peak Robotech. Like every scene of this show is could only happen in the show. Yeah, it's why I couldn't skip it. I was like, is this one one we skip? And I, and I tabbed through it and was like, well, no, mean, no, 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 no. You mean in a different show you couldn't just randomly get trapped in a giant transforming armpit? I mean, they're not necessarily <laughs> literally in the armpit, but they're somewhere where they're, I guess, some joint has locked them, has locked Lisa and Rick in, a, in some sort of crevice. I've gotten yeah. trapped with my crush again. Shoot. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So, so Lisa enters the picture because, uh, she was also watching the movie and mm-hmm. I think they both decide to exit around the big cousin kissing scene, <laughs> yeah. uh, in disgust, I assume. Yeah. And, and, and Rick happens to trip and fall right into her butt. He falls both hands splayed, ready to grab <laughs> and just seizes the cakes. Uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Cakes at your service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, it the show assumes it's an accident. It's just, boy, it, it's really, <laughs> it's a very bad look for Rick. Oh, look what happened on accident to old yeah. Ricky. Yeah, exactly. He had a couple then, of handholds ready. Yeah. And then she, she's like, And I just happened to be within reach. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's it exactly. I can't think of another reason why anyone would want to touch you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's telling him. You don't have to put up with that and make him shove you again. I have it. Hmm. We'd better continue this discussion elsewhere. <laughs> Take him away, sister. Oh, shit. Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So they... they take a minute and step outside to like chat more about what's up which and... but i want to say though that's actually like really funny this some sort of like some little meet cute right where there's a misunderstanding in public and everybody just weighs in on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's good it's very yeah. nice yeah um and you know so naturally they need to get away from everybody and as soon as they do a transformation warning happens that dang ship is transforming again and uh you'd think they... they'd learn to stop building shit like 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 buildings directly on the the parts that move when they transform the you know what lines I mean? or whatever yeah yeah because when they transform back at the end of the episode, like there's whole streets that like all the windows are broken, every like <laughs> buildings are in half. It's like, y'all, you need to stop building here. Find another place for your cafe or this whatever. This is the armpit. Yeah. Uh, but yes, they they have to they have to run. They're trying to find shelter. Uh, there's not enough time for them to get back to the bridge or anywhere for them to be actually be helpful. And the transforming ship traps them in a weird crevice, like an armpit, like Rory said. And they spend the rest of the episode uh, with circumstance having forced them to learn how to get along. And it's cute. It definitely reflects. And literally, he remembers this moment, right? Where it like it reminds us of that episode that he spent trapped in the bowels of the ship with Min May. And where they got married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had the weird fake wedding. Um, now, he and, even hands yeah. Lisa his handkerchief at one point. Is it the same handkerchief that? Min May wears on her head to like it's possible. I don't know. It might be. I'd have to go back and find I won't, but it it felt very reminiscent because she has mm-hmm. that little some sort of doily on her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna die in here? Yeah, I, I really like their conversation uh a lot. It's it's interesting. It starts like um sort of business like. Well, it starts with him being pissy at her, and then they, like, cool off a little bit, and then they talk about, like, the Zentradi. Lisa reveals that she, perhaps her and and all of Command, have some, like, surprisingly detailed information about, like, what's going on with the Zentradi, which I wasn't aware that we were aware of, right? Where she's like, You've probably heard some of what I'm going to tell you. The aliens seem to be divided into two main camps. One side thinks we're derived from something called protoculture, which scares them so they don't want to touch us, while the other side disagrees with them. They must be the camp that's always jumping into the battle. That's right. The result is a big mix-up in their command organization, which is why they always seem to attack us and then back right off. I think this, it's a little bit of exposition being snuck into dialogue that I don't... I think you're right. I don't think there's any reasonable way they could know that based on yeah. what we've seen. Unless yeah. they were really good at guessing, just intuiting all of the. I mean, it, it's I mean, not we, hard to. They gathered some intel when they were when they were captured on the other ship, True. right? I mean, like, There's also like... they the way the Zents have been attacking is incredibly chaotic too. Yes, you know, they're like sending small groups that then pull back and come out, and, you know, and it's like the fuck is going on? It wouldn't. Why be don't a they genius. just kill us? Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't take a genius to figure out that there's like they're kind of a mess right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. They start talking like Rick is like, okay, so why were you there? And then it's like, well, why did you leave? Why did you leave the movie? And they both sort of admit to each other like how uncomfortable they were with the cousin kissing scene because and, they were and, 
And mm-hmm. Lisa doesn't like the the ghost of her fiance making out with this, you know, yeah. teen cousin of her ghost of her ghost. <laughs> teen cousins of ghosts on this fall at CBS. Uh, yeah, I, my teen cousin is a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Bravo show. Um, or the, the anime if I accidentally got reincarnated as a teen ghost. <laughs> cousin. Uh, I really like yeah they have a a line of dialogue that I thought was kind of funny where he's like it's hard to imagine someone like you going to a movie does it surprise you to discover I like to go out I guess I always pictured you as a grouchy old lady well you're a dope (laughs) there's also a nice moment of character development of Rick where they're talking about Max and talking about how Max is like incredibly good at at doing ship, at doing pilot, and at sky and blasting. Yeah, yes. at sky hunkery, the Max is, <laughs> is a hot shot that's even more of a hot shot than Rick. And Rick has a line where he's like, I only hope you never stop and compliment him. But why not? I'm not absolutely sure it would happen to someone like him, but the most dangerous part of a battle is when you think you're better than your opponent. <sighs> Do I hear you talking like a real squadron leader? Well, sort of. That's that's growth, baby. Yeah, it's cool. And I like that he didn't immediately like bristle at the idea that someone was better at pilot at sky hunkery than he is. Right. Yeah. Like, I think he's recognized that he's like, yeah, Max is a better pilot. It's interesting. I'm just that- a circus boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a commander now. Yeah. And maybe maybe he's sort of I mean, I might be reading a little too much into it, but he might be sort of like finding more of his self-worth as being like the leader of the squadron and not necessarily the hotshot of the squadron. Right. Well, and he just lost two people. Yeah. And he's got, you know, big, big Foker shoes to fill. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Fo- it's fo- it's fo- cool. Foker shoes, fo- fo- Foker shoes. Now we'll cut that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to make a note to ignore your note to cut it. Yep. Um. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. And, they connect and it looks like they're maybe going to kiss because they recognize that they've actually had a really fun time in this conversation and they like spending time to it with each other. And I was so ready. I'd forgotten how this episode went. I was so ready for them to like, for that to be the last moment that we get of their development this episode. Before they get smushed in the armpit. (laughs) (laughs) Or they get pelted to death by the robotic cola machine. (laughs) Somebody in the the bridge is like, wouldn't it be funny if we had the machine, had the ship do a fart sound with the armpit? And he does it and then they just fucking squish and die. (laughs) Hilarious. No, uh, but it, it's not the end. They they get out. It like the ship transforms back, and as they're leaving and they're about to part ways, Lisa's like, "Rick, hmm? do you have to huh? run off so soon? I'm sure they wouldn't mind if they knew you were with another officer. Anyway, I'd like for you to stay." Well, I'd really like that. And they fucking start walking together, and, and then <laughs> the narrator then, uh, line. <laughs> no, no. Then they they spy. Uh, they spy oh, two cousins going Kyle. into a love hotel. Oh Lynn fuck Kyle. yeah, they do. Here's an interesting question: Why is there a hotel on the SDF one? <laughs> Who's visiting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it people from the foot trying to go visit the armpit? I assume. Oh, let's summer in the armpit. <laughs> Honey, honey, you never take me anywhere. I've got a timeshare on the dick. <laughs> yeah, so does Lynn Kyle. God damn it. Yeah. Uh I guess I guess I skipped one thing that I wanted to call out uh, be- before they before the I'd like you to stay moment. Uh Lisa buys him a soda from one of those shitty robot soda vendors. Bebop cola machine from Yeah, exactly. And she buys him a soda and he's like, all right, but just this one time, I may want to take you to dinner next week. I was like, geez, oh, that's smooth, a Rick. smooth little line, buddy. Is I didn't think it made much sense. It's the premise that if she buys him something that he's no longer a, a man who can pay for things. <laughs> no, I, see, I didn't quite. I didn't get it. I I get it. I get you. Yeah, it maybe doesn't make literal sense. The feeling of it is there. It felt like the right thing to say. 
but maybe yeah. on on specific examination it doesn't <laughs> the words don't actually make any sense um yeah i i thought that the uh at the, at the risk of dropping too many clips right now uh the narrator line though sort of <laughs> was a little much at the end yeah and so a new romance blossoms aboard the ship two people reaching out for love in different directions and finding that what they wanted was as close as the touch of their fingertips however it's a hard life in the military especially at wartime and whether or not rick and lisa can make their relationship work remains to be seen all right <laughs> yeah fuck fuck off with that i think we yeah, get it tell us more yeah, that's a good one. It's a really, it's a fun, it's a fun episode. I didn't want to skip it because it has some weird cousin shit and some weird Zentradi shit, and and obviously the 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 kind of beginning for real of the Rick and Lisa situation. Yeah, the interpersonal stuff. But you know the the weird thing that I'm finding, and I don't know if this was because it was cut for time, but boy, the ship. <sighs> The show really does not spend any time in remembrance of the city they destroyed by accident. <laughs> and they really, everybody, every character seems to sort of write it off very quickly of like, oh, maybe they're mad. Wait, are they mad about the city that we blew up? Well, that wasn't our fault. I mean, the Zentradi came by and, you know, a shield, <laughs> you know, an energy surge happened. So, you know, I don't know what they're mad about. It's like <laughs> you guys directly were the cause of a city getting wiped well, off is- the map. It is that weird sort of thing, right? Where, like, the healthy thing is to recognize that it isn't their fault and it is the Zentradi's fault for attacking them and that in the process of their self-defense that a horrible thing happened. Like, that's the healthy place to end up. But it's also true that maybe they should spend some time grappling with that. You could be sad. You could be be sad for a day. You could be sad for a day before getting there. Like, it's a little weird to be like... Ah, uh, but it isn't actually our fault, and I think it's pretty emotionally mature of us to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a minute, at least. A whole town died. A it wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not getting hung up about it. I'm Which means on. I can eat ice cream without crying. <laughs> oh, we killed the whole town. Fetch the ice cream. It was not our fault. I've been a good boy. Daddy gets the treat. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Let's go uh, make some money. Let's do it. Uh, Brother Austin. Mm Mm-hmm. All righty. It's time that the Saturday Morning Tuesdays boys uh, earned, earned our weekly keep. So... I would love it if you could tell everybody out there uh, about our sponsor this week, Carpet Steaks. <laughs> yeah, I I can tell you about Carpet Steaks uh, right now. Um, but first, do you hear that sound? That's mm. my tummy grumbling. And you know what you do when your tummy grumbles normally? Is you eat food. Hit it. You got to chow on down. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So normally yeah. you chow on down, right? And <laughs> normally... What's the biggest problem with that? Normally, you don't have any food because you live in an empty apartment. Sure, bachelor right? lifestyle. Of yeah, I don't take care of myself at all. You live in an empty apartment with no furniture. You don't have a refrigerator. You don't have a running sink. Uh, you know, you're dodging rent, so you can't like afford to go out and buy food or, or the fridge. And what do you do? Well, of course, you have a hunting knife uh, and carpet. So this is a really fun way to uh, eat food is you take your hunting knife that you keep sharp every day um, because you don't have much else to do in your empty apartment. And then you've got to fight off squatters. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. Uh, Yeah, it's about, you know, it's it's also the reason that your landlord can't like fully evict you either because you've got a sharp hunting <laughs> well knife. i found out if you sleep in the windowsill it doesn't count as, <laughs> as tenancy. you're neither you're neither in nor out and they <laughs> i gotta i gotta try that uh but for dinner the way that i solve these nagging tummies is by carving a steak out of the carpet and then you can cook it on uh, I mean, in the sun, really, just heats it up because it's not meat. 
Mm, sure. You don't need to get it to a... So you don't need to get it up to a certain temperature. So you really, all you need is a good, like, window in the sun <laughs> to get it warm to your satisfaction. Um, so, yeah, so then you can, you know, you... Uh, Obviously, the tips that I have, my excellent cooking tips for car- carpet steaks is, is number one, brush it off. Number two, MSG. Get it, get it wet. <laughs> number three, you guessed it, MSG. <laughs> so, Can you elaborate on step two, get it wet? Yeah, absolutely. So not everybody has running water like I don't, but uh, I try to find ways to get it wet. Um, sometimes the... Amen, brother. <laughs> you, can, you can drag it through the morning dew. That's true. Yeah, you could, uh, you know, find someone else's hose or a sprinkler running, and you can take your carpet steak over. You can to... you can weep over it. <laughs> You're right. the The top tank of the toilet is less sort of less weird. Yeah, I found. Um, and so you can kind of kind of dip it there. Um, you know, but that's after you've brushed it off, because then all the the sort of hairs and such doesn't get in that in your water source, in your potable right. water source, which is the top of the toilet tank. Um, yeah, and if that's been your sort of potable reservoir, uh, then well, anyway, so uh, it's just it's really great, and you know, and and of course, step three MSG makes everything taste better, so it really sort of helps with the flavor. Yeah. Can you cut it in like fun shapes? Like today, it's a T-bone. Mm, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, New York Strip. Yep, that's the best part. <laughs> I know what everyone's thinking. Wiener? Does it? <laughs> <laughs> you could cut it like a wiener. That's what I always say. Wiener. <laughs> you know, they always ask me, "Does the wiener match the carpet?" And I say, "Yes, if you cut it." <laughs> into the shape of a wiener. Wow. Well, this sounds amazing because, you know, there's only so many times my landlord can walk on, walk in on me whittling my bedpost <laughs> into a smaller bedpost before he stops being scared. Uh-huh, right. And, you know, there's a limited amount of times you can make these, but they're totally free until you vacate the premises. Sure, yeah. you can you can, you can, can put your remaining carpet into a, into a bindle and... <laughs> <laughs> carpet stays. Keep on down the street. You're not getting your security deposit back. (laughs) That's right. everybody we're we're trying to be king of star wars uh austin has found uh a pretty long pretty long stick so yeah we're making we're making good headway on that front uh-huh yeah <laughs> that's what i'm reporting to the to you know all of my oh, just my a big many, stick here <laughs> yep everybody who wants updates on the king of star wars development, <laughs> nothing so. special about this stick <laughs> <laughs> don't look at that circle that's a healthy, nice, happy look circle. Look at that circle. Don't look at the tube in the circle that goes to the make it explode. Don't talk about that. What are you fucking doing? I'm You're not never going to be king of Star Wars it. at this rate. I said don't look at it. I'm not. I promise. Uh, t- so 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 we got we got some more hunks. We've got a few more hunks. Uh, we watched another episode of Starcom. And we watched, everybody, we watched episode two of Starcom entitled Trojan Crowbar. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's it good television. Good. <laughs> a disguised Malvana Wild injects a cyberbug into Crowbar's body, <laughs> making the Shadow Force able to see and hear through his eyes and ears. Crowbar unwittingly endangers a secret mission to transport a new computer modem to to Ganymede with Dash and Slim. Okay, so to recap, last week was our first foray into Starcom with an episode that we were pretty sure 
was one really cool, but also probably not like a great pilot episode proof of concept for Starcom as far as like introducing us to the main characters, because Mm -hmm. half the episode was with this like cool team of researchers who are doing most of the action in the plot. Yeah. And (laughs) I, I, you know, I think this episode, we, we got a slightly better view of the show and the world. Yes. Um, but there's still quite a lot of big questions that I think we still like have no idea who like the main villain is. Or yeah. This sort of- they mention him by name this episode, Emperor Dark, but we get Which- no information about him. We don't see him. And it's unclear. Like the main, the villains in this episode don't even appear to be working with him. They're working against him. Right. So like, he's not even really here as a presence yet. And yet he's in the intro, like he features very prominently in the intro of Although, the show. But the intro doesn't have any text in it. So it's not like, meanwhile, Baron Dark or Lord Emperor, I feel like you guys whatever are fights all, against... also focused on the wrong thing. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you You're want to right. talk about Crowbar more. Huh? I do want to talk about Crowbar, but Star- the Starcom boys also hang out. At a jive talking Greece or space diner. A, f- a, sp- a 50s moon <laughs> diner. <laughs> Which is the best thing that's ever happened. It's so good. <laughs> it's like Ren Fair, where you have to go in <laughs> and talk in character. <laughs> yeah. Someone comes up, the, the, the waitress comes up and she goes, So, uh, you cats all copacetic here? What's she talking about, Slim? <laughs> she wants to know if we want anything else. Uh, what's the proper response? Say, we're cool, chick. We are cold, chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And she hates it. She hates being called chicken. No, you can't call me chicken. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Uh, Um, Yeah, really quick. So, like, how do we feel about episode two now that we have, like, two episodes under the belt for Starcom? Uh, I mean, the nonsense ratio was much higher than last week. Yeah. But, um, you know, I found it. I managed to milk some joy out of it. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like episode one felt like its own kind of beast that I was intrigued by. Episode two solidly steps into like a cross between Silverhawks and Sky Surfer Strike Force to me. Like, yes, in in like an odd sort of way, like. We're just we're sort of off doing, you know, nebulous missions while while angry, angry bad guys are out trying to do their thing. And one of like in a, in a very Sky Surfer one and whatever Cyber Ron's daughter's name was kind of <laughs> uh-huh. relationship. The daughter, this woman character is like, fuck you, Crowbar. But also you're so attractive and intriguing. God damn, he's irresistible. <laughs> yeah. And I, I get I it. He's Crowbar. Say, I will say I, I, I get the the Silverhawk Sky Surfers kind of thing. However, I still think there is an elevation of the It's a writing. little bit calmer. Yeah. And and there's just so much more I don't know, more better more better creative choices. Uh <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. We've to had that. we've had so many episodes of shows where they introduce a concept and they just don't take it all the way. A concept like Crowbar is has a, this cyber bug implanted and so he's basically an unwitting spy a mole basically to the to the villains and uh but he's also just kind of a camera which is fun rather than this sort of like evil doppelganger Mm -hmm. right yeah i was really expecting him to be mind whammied but instead they've just like john malkovich themselves inside of him and they can just sort of experience what he experiences yeah which is cool and instead of having the jig be up you know, 10 minutes in and then they just, it just evolves into laser ships and nonsense. They, they use that the whole way through to like a really actually good effect and it creates good tension. And I was legitimately like, how are they going to get out of this one? Yeah, it was cool. (laughs) And they, and, and even when they, there is a tiny period of nonsense and it's cool. It's well animated nonsense, but it is still just sort of like a a gunfight, a dogfight. But even going into the dogfight at the end, they're still grappling with this spy bug problem and try, like trying to figure out ways around it so that they can still get the upper hand on the bad guys. It's cool. I, I agree with you. They've they've really there's a, it's like a really interesting 
script built around a problem and that they don't shy away from, you know, they don't, they don't fall into their, into their usual pattern. Into making it easy. Yeah. yeah. And it's written by, this one is written by a guy named Steve Perry. Love not him. the guy from Journey. Oh. <laughs> but this guy, he he did later write some episodes of Batman the Animated Series. He's written a bunch of like sci-fi novels that nobody's ever heard of. But he also wrote the, uh, apparently, if you're into this sort of thing, very well-regarded novelization of Shadows of the Empire. Oh. Um, so maybe he is king of Star Wars. Well, not for long. No, no, not at all. Uh. But it's it's good. It's Has pretty. Has nobody good. heard of his books, or have you not heard of his? Books? I I have never heard of him, and they don't have their own Wikipedia page. I see. Okay, fair enough. I just I like the idea that like nobody's heard of his all of his sci fi books. He did write a Star Wars novelization, which is very <laughs> famous. Yeah, it's <laughs> like maybe this is a little bit of you know user bias coming through. Yeah, you could you could very well be right. Uh, but but if they, you know. yeah, they don't have wikis. They're, they're, I think it's fair to say they're probably not huge. I mean, yeah. I don't think the the author of a N64 novelization is <laughs> like no, a household I, name. Usually, I think but. he's I think he's got fans. I think he's got dedicated fans, but he's not. You know, he's not like a name necessarily. But but he he has done a good job with this episode for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the so the way that the cyberbug gets into crowbar, a sweet beloved crowbar, is that. <laughs> The the villains of what do they call them? Like the Shadow Force or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, stage. Uh, they're wearing disguises at this 1950s moon diner, <laughs> and stage an argument, and the woman uh, stumbles into Crowbar and throws her arms around his big, thick, tree trunk like neck, and that's when she uses a ring or something to get this cyberbug inside his body. Yeah, they never explain this, which I kind of appreciate. But later, there is sort of this uh, kind of upsetting line where where Dash says, like, It must be some kind of viral or bacterial radio transmitter. A cyberbug. So it's like... Yeah, they cheated that one in there. Yeah, it's like a virus that sends radio signals. I don't know. I'm, it's the I'm future, on board. Andy. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then they have an extremely mundane mission to get a a computer modem to Ganymede. <laughs> a very valuable computer Ganymede modem. Ganymede needs AOL, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got to get America online. <laughs> and by America, I mean Ganymede. Uh, but also America because they are the U.S. Space Force. So Yeah. Yeah. Colonizing Ganymede, baby. Yeah. It- and what's cool is they are, so they're going along with this, I don't know, like a hauler or some sort of big space freighter of some kind yeah because they want to fly under the radar they don't want just like a bunch of military ships escorting this modem because that'll be an obvious target and mm-hmm. i guess the bad guys really need america online yeah they want uh, the modem really bad <laughs> super bad <laughs> but the, what's cool is they are escorting this ship through an asteroid field and they are trying to destroy asteroids to keep it from damaging the hull of this big ship and the villain's plan that surprised me was they appear to have like a big laser that they're going to ambush the ship however they attack it to make it look like an asteroid strike so it's not just a direct ambush it's like a it's like a fake out to give them a big it's funny in all of ours you know but primarily the space hunks uh you know are part of some sort of elite military unit but the episode of the week is very frequently delivering the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something to that, you know? Kinda, I would've, you know, but it's more interesting if you just made them postmen, if they're gonna be delivering the mail every, like, I'm not being yeah. funny, they're like, you <laughs> no, know, that, that would've then been cool. Then there's stakes and, and drama around that. But, that, but like, to make them the greatest starfighters in the world, and then every week they're delivering the mail, takes a lot of wind out of your sails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> roger that the package is in the open <laughs> yeah so this uh this stowaway ends up getting on board through the gash he makes and nobody's the wiser and he has a direct communication line to what's her name mal malvana he's got a direct call to malvana and malvana's watching crowbar tv and so the combination of 
of them. It's it's it makes for a very successful saboteur because they can see at all times where the main three hunks are and what they know. Right. And it's it's very it's very effective. And so they they immediately start fucking up shit from the inside. And uh there is there is a a, a major problem that happens they've got like a cut it's sort of like a convoy they've got a few ships and like one of the smaller ships is like oh sorry i, I don't guess... uh, before i wanted to mention something about the stowaway before we get too far out oh I was yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there there is a funny line when they later on they realize they've got a stowaway and and they do basically say we can just clip drop it if you want but like oh, yeah stowaways are definitely against regulations <laughs> 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 I didn't even catch that. Stowaways, those it's, are illegal. <laughs> it's something, yeah, it, it's it's something. It's not quite as overt and jokey, so it it kind of slips by. But yeah, they're like a stowaway. That's you can't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this stowaway, they've got they've got like this convoy of ships, and a couple of them are these like almost. I guess they're drones. They're like like drones, they're they're, yeah. they're not manned, and they're carrying. Also, in addition to the modem that's on the main ship, they have got these drones that are carrying like months worth of supplies for Ganymede. And he manages to take control of one of these ships and put it on a collision course with the main ship. And they're like, um, is that thing going to ram us? And they're like, uh, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. And they can't. And it turns into this whole sort of tense moment where like the other two are out in their ships like we don't want to blow this up because that's a lot of supplies to fuck up but we also don't know what the hell's going on and crowbar's trying to like hack the system back so that it like stops trying to ram them it's a cool it's a cool little moment i i liked yeah. the interesting stakes they yeah they built tension really well they built stakes and it's like hey this is months of supplies for a place it wasn't just like oh the space oil or whatever <laughs> i mean <laughs> I don't know. It just it, again, competent writing making us care about a sequence that could have very easily been a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's still you know, kind of a cheat because it's like when you make your MacGuffin, you know, life-saving medicine. It's right, like, right. Yeah, it is sure. still a MacGuffin, but yeah, it's better than some sort of you know, whiz bang. Yeah, mm-hmm. it worked. It made me sit up in my seat. Yeah, and of course, Crowbar does at the last second fix the control system. And we cut over to to Malvana, and she's like, Blast you, Corbin. But you're very good, aren't you? You intrigue me more and more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crowbar. (laughs) Just tear me open like a box. (laughs) You know, like a crowbar does. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you use crowbars to open boxes. Mom, I got a new Amazon package. Oh, here's the crowbar, honey. Like um, a crate. All right. <laughs> so the next, the next big important thing that happens is that they have realized somebody is like that. Must they mu- there must be something going on because this st- like saboteur seems like one step ahead of them at every every turn. Right. But also they hadn't known before this because they kept their attacks. The enemies kept their attacks like covert. Mm-hmm. They weren't didn't feel like they were all out under attack. So they were kind of just cruising and dealing with errors as they came up. Yeah. But they're like, are we like Slim? Slim gets the idea. He's like, OK, what if we're bugged? And thankfully, Crowbar is like busy trying to fix the security system at the time. So they're like on the other side of the room and he doesn't hear what they're talking about. And they're like, oh, well, not bug Crowbar. <laughs> and the captain of the ship, Didi or whatever, is like, oh, well, I guess I could scan for signals that are like exiting the ship. You think there's a bug in Crowbar? <laughs> it is a bit of a leap. <laughs> but they do they do scan it and, and they're very surprised that it's in Crowbar. And they don't tell him immediately. They're like, what the fuck? There's a, the bug is inside Crowbar? <laughs> What's right. happening? And then, yes, the thing that I desperately wanted them to do, and I'm so glad they did, because it was that like looking ahead like okay what's going to be the coolest most interesting narrative thing to do and they did it they did it they were like okay let's don't tell them okay we can use this to our advantage we got to find a way to get a message to crowbar uh hey what about that that beeper code that, that we invented last year <laughs> wait i have an idea remember the old speed code crowbar made up a few years ago yeah but so it's it's interesting i like their i like their solution they they 
come up behind Crowbar and they blindfold him and like put their ma- hand over <laughs> his mouth. And cr- it it must be a testament to how much Crowbar trusts his friends that he's no, not or like. No, you, you could have thought this was a party. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Are we having a Crowbar party? <laughs> 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 Can't have a crowbar party without blindfolds. <laughs> he was lovesick the whole episode. His mind was still in that fifties diner, man. Yeah, but yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't put up too much of a struggle after he realizes what's going on and that he's not in immediate danger. And he's like, you know, it's clear he's like, what the fuck is going on? And they start playing these weird beeps for him in a pattern, and you know, probably some sort of Morse code derivative or whatever. And he they are able to get a message to him that the bad guys won't understand that they that he has been bugged and it's very interesting because from that point on they the bad guys assume that their bug has malfunctioned because they can't see anything they can only hear and right. and it's such a cool it's such a cool reversal i really like that they they're able to do that yeah i mean it's just it's always satisfying when one the writer can come up with something that feels smart and makes mm-hmm. the main characters feel smart and not just completely reactionary and just completely sort of reacting and being behind the the plan that we already know that the villains have. The and only way that this could have been a little better is if they had introduced this sort of uh, magical code in any way early on in the episode that it could mm-hmm. have been like something we like. I oh, think so. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think it played. Uh, my reading of that was that they were worried that the word Morse code, kids wouldn't know what Morse code is, so they said our invented beeper language, mm-hmm. which is significantly more op- opaque than, yeah. than Morse code. But that's sort of, that was my take, because why would you not say Morse code? Unless, or, right? well, why why wouldn't the villains know also know Morse code? Well, they're, yeah. they're aliens, and it's a, you know, ancient Earth communication beep. I, it's true, it's true. They could have played it that way, like nobody I uses Morse code I don't actually know anymore. if they're aliens or not. It's unclear. I don't know it anything is, about fair. them. I mean, they are the shadow force. But and one yeah, of them you're, looks you're pretty wrong. gray. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of looked like a Frankenstein. <laughs> but, you know, maybe it's just a bunch of humans and their Frankenstein friend. Um, yeah. You know what else? While we're... While this we're... fall on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while, we're, while we're adding things we wish they could have set up early, I do wish Crowbar would have had a line. Maybe he did, for all I know. Well, I was like, man, I could fly this ship blindfolded. Right, totally, because oh, they do sure. make him do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to keep their communications secret when they're they're sort of laying a trap because the villains have set a, a distress beacon that they think that it's procedure that they have to go respond to it. So they're going to, you know, ambush them there. And so they have Crowbar fly out in his ship, but he's got darkened sunglasses on and like headphones and they're they're the other guy in his ship is like feeding him beeps and like turn left in space <laughs> yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah it's a little ridiculous but i like it I, you know it, it's keeps, cool. it keeps the bad yeah. guys from it keeps them from realizing that they know that that he was bugged until the very very last second because you know if crowbar hadn't come out in his ship and like a couple ships take take off then they might have gotten suspicious or whatever um, but yeah, until the very last moment, they think that they've just got a malfunctioning bug and then he's able to like take off his blindfold in a dramatic fashion and be like, <laughs> you know, like essentially like, fuck you, whoever's listening, screw you. And then they just <laughs> have a cool dog fight and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. I, I was, again, I was really like, we want to like these shows most yes, of the time. All the time. Uh, but Except I was, for the Jim I, Carrey week. Expecting... I don't think I ever wanted to like those shows, but that, that's, no. beside, that's beside the point. But I was not expecting to also get a kick out of episode two because I just I didn't think they were going to nail it again. It's in the title, Austin. (laughs) It was a home run before it was a home run before it started. The only one getting nailed is Crowbar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the the, the exit lines of this episode. The sort of it's not a laugh line, but it is it is kind of where uh, everybody's fine they're back and crowbar's been healed or whatever he doesn't have the bug in him anymore and they're like i guess maybe you'll stay away from strange blondes in the future eh and he goes maybe (laughs) (laughs) probably not (laughs) yeah Yeah. crowbar knows crowbar's (laughs) nature (laughs) crowbar will fuck until crowbar is sore
All right, everybody, uh, we did it. I want to congratulate just us for managing to do it. Uh, well, Andy failed, but Rory and I have become king of Star Wars. Now, you know what's interesting? Yes, it turns out Star Wars has someone that she's already in love with. And you know what? I'm 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 not an asshole. I'll back out of that. It's fine. I'll I'll stop I'll stop trying. But we never heard what Rory's plan for becoming king of Star Wars was. How did you do it, buddy? Coattails, baby. Austin's the man with the plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's fuck. Right. Yeah. And I let I didn't him know do that. it. I didn't know that was an option. I could have been on the, on the circle playing with you. We told you Star Wars was a beloved franchise by from George <laughs> Lucas and not a woman. And you got you got hung up on, on the way you wanted to do things. So whatever you got up to this week was completely ancillary to what was going on with us. We had, honestly, a ton of room, a ton of empty space on that big kill circle. Fuck. Well, yeah. maybe I got some character growth out of it then. Yeah, but we are, you know, king of Star Wars and we're going to, you know. And didn't have blow. to grow one bit. Right. <laughs> right. No, we haven't learned a thing other than how easy it was to become king of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so, oh, fuck. Yeah, that was, uh, that was another edition of Skyhunks from your friends at Saturday Morning Tuesdays. Was well, that your, was that gonna was that gonna be like a goodbye line? No, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying you wanted out. To... I'm just trying out a new style. <laughs> Got it. Sure. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna like thank the people? You know, you know, thank thank your your agent. What are we doing here? Yeah, I want to thank uh, musical <laughs> guest. I want to thank you know thank Miley Cyrus for being our guest. Uh, thanks, Lorne Michaels. Uh, the producer. He's the only Lorne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have well, to clarify. There's a there's a demon from Angel. Could have been <laughs> it. Could have been the demon from Angel. <laughs> 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 it would have been a better theme. Mm. We were all in that. If we were all in that, we're all that, Saturday Night Live. But our boss is the demon from Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the me. big green karaoke monster. Yeah. Um, well, everybody, uh, this has been great. <laughs> Did you start over? <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.